All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Are you needing a safe space to learn how you can get your mind right? Tune into Amani State of Mind, a weekly podcast hosted by psychiatrist and TV personality Dr. Imani Walker and co-host comedian Meg Scoop Thomas, two smart and successful women and mothers sharing their personal and professional experiences to help normalize conversations about mental health. This is not your average mental health show. Each week they break down what's happening in news, pop culture, and their very own experiences managing mental health. Together you will laugh, keep it real, and create a safe space where everyone can get help with their issues. Nothing is off the table. Dr. Imani Walker and Meg Scoop Thomas discuss everything from relationships with yourself, your spouse, and your parents to the realities of postpartum depression and anxiety. Do not forget to take a deep breath, find your calm, and get into Imani's state of mind with new episodes dropping every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I don't mean to alarm you, but what happened to all the CDs? They're in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean like people used to have entire pieces of furniture designed to store and hold CDs. I used to have books and books and books of them. What happened to, where are they? Of course, I think they stopped making CDs players in cars and so they just stopped making CDs. No, but the physical CDs, like they were manufactured and something happened to them. Where are they? Aaron, someone alert 2020. We need a docu-series on this. Where did they all go? There's an entire <laughs> land of CDs somewhere. There's an entire continent made of them, I bet. You know, I haven't thought about that old Jethro Tull CD in a long time. We would get them in the mail. We would. Remember, what was that thing called where you got looped into the scam where they would send you like you'd pay a dollar and then you'd get them? For like 99 cents for 10 CDs or something like that. But it wasn't 99 cents for 10 CDs. There's so many that were made and they're, where are they? Fuck, where are they? Anyway, I, I, I am completely sober right now, but that is what woke me up this morning was being like, you know what? Maybe we'll figure this out during spooky season. Maybe. This week, we are joined by Arizona Democratic nominee for governor, Katie Hobbs, Kieran Deal, and Caroline Rustin to tackle the following questions. How far will scared Republicans go to keep abortion out of the headlines? Who will save Arizona from political nutbaggery? How do you handle getting yelled at? And why do we buy gifts for people who are already happy? All this and more right now. All right. Some news to get to this week. Happy solstice. Yeah. Waiting for that harvest moon. Equinox? It's equinox. Is it equinox? Equinox. Yes. Happy equinox. And I don't mean the gym that smells like eucalyptus. No, we don't do that. 
I used to. I mean, me too, but not anymore. I worked somewhere that gave me a membership to the Equinox in Soho, which was a scene. Wait, do you realize that we probably were there at the same time and didn't know it? I wonder how many times in life we were like two little dots on a map. Now look at us. Join together forever. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's start the news this week. It's not necessarily a high note, but it's so silly that it feels like a high note. So let's take a quick listen to something that was on television this week. Listen to him here. You have to note, the Republicans always close well. Why? Because they find some new way to scare the living daylights out of swing voters about something. That's what they did in 2021, where they made... Critical race theory sound worse than smallpox. I mean, I, I, Greg got felled last night on the five. Well, he said the Democrats have been trying to scare people as well. I know. I was going to say, like, newsflash, Bill, um, your party's doing that just fine. We don't need to help you with that at all. You're scaring voters everywhere with the open border. I mean, just last month, 2,000 pounds of fentanyl came across our border. That, that could kill 500 million people. We're coming into Halloween. Every mom in the country right now is worried, what if this gets into my kid's Halloween basket? You're talking about the rainbow the fentanyl. The rainbow fentanyl. What if my, my teenager uh, gets this? That was RNC chair Ronna McDaniel, formerly known as Ronna Romney McDaniel. Romney. Until her last name proved irksome to Donald Trump, which means I think we should call her Romna Romney McRomney. <laughs> Um, that's her introducing this year's new Halloween urban legend just in time for spooky season. Alyssa, are you worried about the rainbow fentanyl? I'm not. I'm not worried about the rainbow fentanyl in the hollowed out pumpkins. Yeah. What is it with conservative moms that seem like they would be no fun thinking that people are going to give out free drugs on Halloween to children? You know what? It just makes me think of that meme that was going around last week with Hallie, the new little mermaid. And permit Patty with the scuba equipment trying to call the police on her. That's just, to me, that is the essence of the Romnerick Romneys of the world. Do you think that the rainbow descriptor is designed to like low-key signify to the Fox News audience that this fentanyl will make you gay? I mean, of course it is. There is nothing subtle about these nuts. <laughs> oh, man. Well, rainbow fentanyl. Uh, rainbow fentanyl. Be joined in my Halloween basket by marijuana candy and magic mushroom chocolate. People think they're just giving away expensive drugs. <laughs> People would never. It just It's not a thing. But the good news is that I feel like that sort of parenting, just a like low level paranoia about bad people coming around and giving their kids drugs out of nowhere is the sort of thing that produces like prison abolitionists. Like her children are going to grow up to be far to the left. Far, far, far. So I look forward to that. All right. Well, let's pivot into the news that doesn't involve made up Halloween urban legends. I'm going to talk a little bit about Florida's Can I call him a Trump fetus? Sure. It's like a fetus, but yeah. Go for it. Ron DeSantis pulled a stunt on immigration this week that is gross, craven, and cruel. But I don't want to like skim over it and pretend it didn't happen. But we also should note the fact that this was designed to get immigration into the headlines and abortion out of the headlines. Yep. Because Republicans will lose the 2022 midterms on every level if abortion stays above the fold on page A1. So we're going to keep talking about abortion. They can't stop us. 
Can't stop, won't stop. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> there may be some legislation making it through uh, different states to try and stop us or hire Yosemite Sam to arrest us or whatever. I don't know. None of these things make sense. Despite the fact that abortion has been pushed out of the headlines by this stunt, there are still abortion bans all over the place going into effect yep. since Dobbs. So do you want to start with West Virginia? What's going on in West Virginia? Yeah. West Virginia Governor Jim Justice just last week signed into law a ban on abortion at all stages of pregnancy. Hmm. Aaron, no more abortion. Huh. Here's another thing. Can we just, will someone listen to us? There are exemptions for rape and incest. Aaron, incest is rape. Like why, I mean, why can't we just, it makes it sound like incest is different. Like maybe they consented, but because their dad did it, they can have an abortion. It's like, no, that's rape too. Okay. Anyway, I just had to say that. It's been a it's been a bee. It's been a bee in my bonnet. Yeah. But here's the other thing. In cases of incest, they lift the restriction to eight weeks for adults and 14 weeks for children. What the fuck? That made me need to get up and take a walk when I read that. I uh, <clears throat> Yeah, children. They're putting children. abortion restrictions on Children. 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 So if you are a child and you become pregnant as the result of a crime, you have 14 weeks to work up the courage to figure out what's going on, tell a trusted adult who will know how to navigate the system and have a terrifying medical procedure. Yep. Or you'll be forced to give birth, which is, of course, as we know, a super non-terrifying low effort experience that children should definitely be forced to do. And when so many of us have traumatic experiences, we know that our periods are always on time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is like the craziest, this is the craziest, but Governor Jim Justice joins with Indiana and 12 other states who have banned abortion. Yeah. And also, you know, I want to to revisit Lindsey Graham's extremely oh. bad idea. You know, the first book in the Babysitter's Club is called Christie's Great Idea. Yeah, this is the opposite. Lindsey's bad idea. The Baby Forcers Club. That was unbelievable, Erin. That was so stupid. <laughs> that was so stupid. I'm like, sorry, this has broken my brain. So Lindsey Graham's really bad idea, a nationwide abortion ban at 15 weeks, which by the way, would not lift more restrictive abortion bans in states that have like right. no exceptions abortion bans, like the one in West Virginia we just discussed. It would just impose abortion bans on states that had tried to protect abortion rights. Right. So places like New York and California, are you safe? No, nope. we're not safe. That's what we have been saying we will continue to say it. We will keep saying it even as you walk. Not safe. Walk away from us mid-conversation. We won't stop saying it. No. Nope. We'll keep saying it. You're not safe. So Graham's nationwide abortion ban, which is what Republicans have in the past supported. So yep. even though Republicans are now distancing themselves from it, let's not pretend that this isn't what they'll do. This is exactly what they'll do. Totally. Okay. This law would also mandate transvaginal ultrasounds to mm -mm -mm. people looking to have abortions because it would require that the healthcare provider performing the abortion would need to verify gestational age by measurements to avoid getting in legal trouble. And now I'm just going to say, in early pregnancy, a transvaginal ultrasound is fairly standard. Mm -hmm. It's like standard parts of care, but that's something that is a doctor's decision. It shouldn't be something that like is mandated by the federal government, by a bunch of guys who I'm just going to put it out there. I don't think Lindsey Graham has had that much experience with 
female reproductive anatomy. Transvaginal ultrasounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or female reproductive anatomy in general. So it this is this is something that doctors are saying would impose new restrictions on their ability to practice medicine in the way that they know to be appropriate for their patients. So that is also fucked up. And Aaron, what we have been saying on this show for, I don't know, years at this point, which is that the anti-abortion gang loves women having to go to the hospital, to clinics. They like to protest. They like to shame. And what this would do is kind of force that back because by mandating essentially a transvaginal ultrasound, it eliminates the ability to do medical abortions via telemedicine. Mm -hmm. And so we see you, Lindsay. We know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And also medical abortions, the kind that are non-surgical. Right. Less dangerous than Tylenol. Less dangerous than Tylenol. Less dangerous than Tylenol. As we've talked, surprisingly dangerous. Yeah, you got to be careful with the Tylenol. If you drink with it, that's like liquor poison. Very, very, very bad. Um, But people can buy Tylenol at the store and you can't buy abortion medicine at the store. You have to go to the doctor now and they have to give you a transvaginal ultrasound if Lindsey Graham has his way. A little bit of good news out of Indiana. A judge is weighing a block on the state's new abortion Mm -hmm. ban. So that's something that we are keeping an eye on. In Ohio, what's going on in neighboring Ohio? In Ohio, Hamilton County judge plans to extend the order temporarily blocking the state's six-week abortion ban past the initial 14-day deadline because Hamilton County Police Court Judge Christian Jenkins is like, "Mm, you guys, we're not there yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Explain further, explain further. So that's good. That means that right now people can still currently have abortions in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but unfortunately, there is a limit to how long a judge can do this. This is the last 14-day extension that he can do. But he's really doing as much as he can. Judge Christian Jenkins is doing as much as he can. Which is all we can ask for. And for the people who are able to access abortion care for the women that are pregnant and who don't want to be pregnant, who are able to access abortions during these next 14 days, it makes a world of difference. And so good for him. I wish it wasn't like that for the rest of Ohioans moving forward. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to flag something that I read. I wanted to, why am I using corporate speak? Flag. Let's circle back. Let's circle back around. Um, So one of the things that we've also talked about on this show quite a bit is that Republicans will lie, straight up lie about what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. and then do it and then say, haha, too bad we did it. Right. So here's an example. We're not going to do a nationwide abortion ban. This is something that should be left to the states. (laughs) Haha, just kidding. That's what we are going to do. And then, you know, if they actually do it, deal with it. That would be the line from them. One of the things they've been telling us lying about is that their aim in restricting abortion is never to punish women who have abortions, to never punish patients who have abortions. Turns out that is also a lie, as Maury would say. Seems like they're telling on themselves now. Yeah. So there is something called abortion abolitionists, and those are Almost all men. Just going to put that out there. Nothing creepier than a pro-life old man. This is a real gaggle of them. Creepy pro-life old men who want to punish women who have abortions in the same way that a person who drowned their baby would be punished because they believe that abortion is murder. And Mm -hmm. thus, it should be treated 
as murder by the women having them. Yeah. This also would make doctors who help patients conceive via in vitro fertilization and destroy the embryos. That would also treat them as murderers. And yeah, so this is something that is happening. One of these fuck that guys that we're talking about said, quote, women should embrace their instinctual sacrificial behavior. Aaron, I had to reread that like a couple of times. I'm like, what's he talking about? Oh my God. Yes, yes. And what he went on to say is, if you and your baby were on a raft and had limited food, you wouldn't throw your baby overboard and drown it and keep the food for yourself. It's like that actually came out of his mouth. That's fucking wild. Okay, but here's the thing. In extremely desperate situations, people sometimes do do that sort of thing. Like, I mean- I don't know. I don't want to get like too Pocahontas too here, but like Jamestown Uh, was a real terrible place. It was not good. But also what's he saying about men? Yeah. Yeah. What are men's responsibility here? He's like women would never. I mean, I guess men should never be left alone with babies in a raft. Yeah. It's uh, women's instinctual. I have never heard a man who so proudly misunderstands or has no awareness of how women feel. I feel like this is a man who would be absolutely devastated to learn that his mom's biggest achievement in life wasn't pushing him out. <laughs> like, okay, new polling by Navigator has shown that levels of motivation to vote in the context of the Supreme Court overturning of Roe v. Wade remain just as high now as they did following the decision in early July. Hmm. We're not forgetting. No. Not forgetting about this. Um, Among independents, there is a 36-point pro-choice gap. Really? Yeah. 36-point. 60% of independents call themselves uh, pro-choice, 24% pro-life. Yeah. 16% don't know. How do you not know? You know what? I respect people who are like... Maybe those are all the people who we think shouldn't really have an opinion anyway. <laughs> That's true. I think sometimes saying like, I don't have enough information to form an opinion is totally fine. It's fine. It's better than defaulting to like, if I don't know, it must be bad. Yeah, totally, totally. Overall, people are much more motivated to vote than they were before the SCOTUS ruling. So hoping mm. that this translates into the voting booth and find out season will continue apace. We have some more stuff to talk about, but let's let's kick it to next week. Yeah, next week's good. We'll kick the tour to fuckery to next week and uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to a woman who is literally going to be one of the last, I guess, defenses yeah. between one of America's greatest states and total anarchy. And welcome back. I'm so excited about our guest today. Our guest today is Arizona's Democratic governor nominee. The Cook Political Report just rated the 2022 Arizona governor's race as the only red to blue toss-up race across all of the 50 states. So Arizonans, your vote really, really, really matters for this one. It always matters, but this time it really double plus extra super matters. She is also currently the Secretary of State in Arizona, where she oversees elections and business registrations, as well as runs the State Library. Secretary Katie Hobbs, welcome to Hysteria. 
Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So Katie, as the current Secretary of State in Arizona, you've been on the front lines of disinformation and faced constant threats of violence and harassment for simply doing your job. So what made you take the leap and run for governor, one that would arguably only make the attacks intensify? Yeah, I get that question a lot. And I'll tell you that we are in such unprecedented times in our country with so much at stake. And I had gone through the ringer as secretary of state. And so why not just put myself back out there again? But, you know, I've talked to Arizonans across the state and they are really tired of focusing on relitigating the 2020 election, putting Arizona in ground zero in this battle. Um, And it's a distraction from focusing on real problems. And we have a lot of challenges we're facing as a state. We have a water crisis. We need to fix our neglected public education system. Those are things that are in the top of voters' minds. And they want someone who's got real solutions to, to tackle those issues. I'm talking to folks about how we can bring them together to solve these problems and move our state forward. And that's what what I'm hearing from folks that they want. Mm-hmm. So you want to actually govern instead of get in fights on Twitter yes. with uh, conservative gadflies. That sounds great. <laughs> Katie, you started your career as both a social worker and running a domestic violence shelter. And even before that, you helped unhoused youth. What about those experiences prompted you to run for office? And what changes have you seen in Arizona since getting into public service that you're most proud of? Well, I'll tell you that I loved working with the folks I was working with and and helping make a difference in their lives. I worked with unhoused youth. I worked with in the behavioral health system and then eventually at a domestic violence shelter. And what I really saw was systemic issues that needed to be addressed and our elected leaders not doing anything about those that would really make a difference for whole communities of people uh, rather than just one individual at a time that I was working with. And so that's what prompted me to run for office. And it was challenging when I got to the legislature. Democrats were in the minority and Republicans had a a veto-proof supermajority. And I had to learn how to work across the aisle to get things done. And, you know, in my work as a social worker, I wasn't focused on who was a Democrat or Republican and what beliefs we shared. We were just focused on solving the issues. And that's how I approached legislating, that if there was something that needed to get done and I could find common ground with Republicans to move that forward, then we could do that. And one of the things I'm most proud of is using my experience as a social worker to help highlight legislation that would bring a lot of stigma to people when programs that are supposed to help them have worked real hard to reduce that stigma. For example, food stamp benefits. There was a lot of legislation to try to bring back a lot of stigma to those programs. And we were able to highlight how that was not how the program was supposed to work and kill some of those bills. Um, But the thing I think I'm most proud of is that we worked together, Republicans and Democrats, to pass Medicaid expansion in Arizona. That benefited over 500,000 Arizonans. We were the first Republican state to do that under the Affordable Care Act. And it not only helped those folks who needed access to health care, but it helped the economy. We were seeing a lot of rural hospitals facing potential closure because of uncompensated care. And hospitals are important parts of the community in rural areas, but they're also really important economic drivers. They're a job provider for lots of folks. And so that was a really big deal when we did that. So pivoting to abortion access in Arizona, we saw this week that Emerson College did a poll that said 54% of Arizonans disapprove of overturning Roe. What is the state of abortion access in Arizona as we speak today? Can you explain to listeners how governors are kind of the last line of defense against radical anti-abortion laws right now? 
Yeah, I mean, it's up to the states at this point. And Arizona has been one of the most egregious on abortion restriction. And we haven't had a governor who's been willing to veto increased restriction. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. But not only will I veto additional restriction, I'm going to fight for Arizonans and work to restore rights that we should have in terms of access to safe and legal abortion. So right now there's sort of a kind of battle in Arizona over abortion access. Can you go into a little bit what that looks like? Yeah. So we have a 1901 law that was passed before we were even a state, before women even had the right to vote. And since Roe v. Wade, there's been an injunction on that. And the attorney general went to court to lift that injunction. We are expecting the outcome of that case any day now. And, and what that would mean is that there's no legal abortion in the state of Arizona and not any exceptions for rape or incest. It requires jail time for providers. And right now, because of the uncertainty, there are very few abortion providers even providing services right now. And that will completely go away. So when Dobbs was first announced, every clinic canceled pending appointments and it threw us into chaos and people weren't able to get the health care that they needed. So that's what we're faced with right now. If that injunction is not lifted, well, regardless of who wins, there's going to be an appeal. So this is going to not, this won't be over as soon as we get the decision. But there also is the uncertainty of the law that was passed this last legislative session, which would go into effect on Saturday. And that is a 15 week ban also with no exceptions for rape or incest. Ugh. Ugh. Katie, you tout yourself as a fighter as never backing down. But there's a lot of news in Arizona right now about how you won't debate Carrie Lake. Why did you decide not to debate Carrie? And what's an example of some wild shit she said? <laughs> Look, it is, I would love nothing more than the opportunity to have a substantive conversation about the issues, where we stand on them, how we contrast, uh, and how we would govern. And what I know from this campaign and the way Carrie Lake is conducting herself is that she's not capable of having that conversation. And I refuse to give her a platform to continue her election denial conspiracy theories and attack me and make it into a circus that, you know, quite frankly, the GOP primary debate was a circus for our state and an embarrassment. And I'm not going to be a part of that. She, in terms of the crazy things that she said, she continually calls for my arrest. I don't even know why I would give her a platform to do that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, for no, for these unfounded claims that there's no evidence for. And so in addition to that, though, it's not just that she says crazy things, that she is comfortable cozying up to Nazis and spewing dangerous conspiracy theories. It's the policies. And, and I say policy very loosely because these are not real policies, but she wants to put government class cameras in every classroom, which would open up our kids to stalkers and big tech and big brother spying on them. She thinks that everyday Arizonans should own rocket launchers. What? Oh. And when given a chance to back away from this position, she actually doubled down on it and thought it was funny. I mean, and it sounds funny, but rocket launchers are designed to fight tanks and heavy artillery, and they don't belong anywhere near the hands of everyday people, especially not dangerous criminals. She has called for dismantling the nation's top law enforcement agency. This is following the court-ordered search of Mar-a-Lago. She has called for Arizona to secede from the union, setting up a, another civil war. 
And she has said that on day one of her administration, she would declare an invasion at the southern border, which would do nothing to change border security, but it would throw our state into chaos. And then just back on the issue of abortion, she is fully in support of not just this full and complete ban in the 1901 law, but also a Texas style law that turns people into vigilantes going after abortion seekers, providers, and facilitators, and has called people who seek abortion murderers. Oh. Oh, is that all? That's it. (laughs) She's an SB8 enthusiast. The only follow-up to that I can possibly think of is how can our listeners support your campaign? Oh, thank you for asking that question. So folks can go to katiehabs.org. You'll not only see a way to support the campaign, and if you're out of state and you want to help with phone banks, we can set you up with that. There's a volunteer link. There's a store with some really cool merch, but also you can find all of our plans that we're offering for the challenges that we're facing as a state and what we're going to do about it when we get to the governor's office. Awesome. So Katie, we always like to end on a high note. What is bringing you joy on the campaign trail? The fact that there are 48 days left and then we can get real work. (laughs) 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 But I do, I do. I love, I love campaigning. It does get tiring after a while, but I know that this race is about so much more than me. It is so many people's hopes and dreams for their future in the state of Arizona are resting on this race and it's that important. And so hearing that from people is what keeps me going, knowing that we have to stay focused on what we're in this race for. So that's great. Katie Hobbs, thank you so much for joining us and uh, best of luck. We're all going to be keeping an eye on Arizona and hoping they do the right thing. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it good for you, great ingredients, helps you 
stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is. Like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Thank you. 
And welcome back. Alyssa, we got Wednesday again, didn't we? We did, but not entirely because we're still here and the news happened. We're still here. We're still here. As we were recording uh, the news segment, uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James announced that she is suing the fuck out of- The fuck. uh, Out of Donald Trump and basically everybody he's ever written a check to. Uh, within the context of his his business. So it's a $250 million lawsuit, pretty big. 200 acts of fraud. She's trying to put that motherfucker out of business in this great state of New York, and I am here for it. And I really want to thank uh, a listener. Yes. We did that at us. <laughs> like Because it's find-out season, uh, and, and we like to find out, even if we are recording. So that's, that's, that's cool. One thing that I love about Tish James is well, one thing that I love and fear about Tish James is that she's exactly the type of person that she is so like strong and her presence is so like authoritative. Uh, she's the exact type of person that if she yelled at me, I would crumble into dust. Into a million pieces. Into dust. That would be the bathroom stall cry to end all bathroom stall cries. Yeah, exactly. And there was actually something else. Uh, that inspired this topic of this week, which we'll get to in a moment. But we first wanted to shout out Tish James before we brought in the panel for personal political. So first up, blessing us for the second week in a row is the comedian known online as shit from Kieran. Give her a follow. It's Kieran Deal. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Kieran. So good to see you. Yeah. What? Well, uh, Alyssa's back in, back in the... Upstate. Back in the woods. Back in the woods. Yep. I know that room. I know that window. <laughs> I know those pillows. So many pillows. I've seen some of your Zoom backgrounds so many times that I'm surprised that I don't like dream about being in those rooms. <laughs> you know? Because it's like they've entered my like subconscious. Um, okay. And finally, rounding out the panel this week, a special treat. Normally, you hear us making fun of her when she has no microphone to defend herself. She is a Spencer <laughs> Pratt apologist, an Angel City super <laughs> fan, and a Scorpio for the ages, Hysteria's senior producer, Caroline Reston. Caroline. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me on. Um, I was really nervous at first, and then I was like, what's the worst that could happen? And then I was like, nothing. And then I was like, oh, I could get canceled and then fired from my job. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> You can just edit yourself out if you're that just like that's so true. Point. I will be taking notes on the segment as I speak. Yeah, you're the referee of a game you're playing in. <laughs> like you get to call your own fouls. This is like the ideal situation for anybody being on a pod. Um, how's your Mercury in retrograde going? I did not know it was in retrograde. I am uh recently off my Prozac, so not great. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Let's get into it. What is she doing? Where is she going? What is she guilt buying? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want to, we should do an entire show about SSRIs and. Uh, oh, I've been on all of them. Really? Yes. You've got like yes. a candy necklace of all the different ones. I did. You know what? There are so many now. It's like if one's not hitting quite right, why am I going to be a victim? I just keep going. <laughs> yeah, the one I was recently on gave me like the worst teeth clenching of all time. And I was grinding my teeth all night and I would wake up and have a headache all day long. Was it Trintelix? No, it was Prozac. And then oh. by the end of the day, it was finally gone. Like, okay, this is worth it because I'm like so happy right now. And then I'd go back <laughs> to sleep and then the whole pain cycle would start over. And I was like, I cannot do this anymore. So I had oh, to, I had to get no. off. Oh, no. That's like, uh, that sounds 
miserable, but I'm glad you got to be happy for like two hours yeah, at the end of every day. It was amazing. A beautiful two hours. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about non-chemical reasons that we experience low emotions. And the thing I wanted to talk about this week is getting yelled at, getting yelled at. Um, and the reason I wanted to talk about this was because there was a moment last week during a committee hearing in the house where, uh, one of the members of the committee yelled at a witness who was, who was there, who was a a female. Um, so let's, let's hear audio of, of what happened. The only way out of the climate crisis is to rein in big oil and gas. The only way out. Everything you have, your clothes, your glasses, the car you got her on, your phone, the table you're sitting at, the chair, the carpet under your feet, everything you've got is petrochemical products. What would you do with that? The EPA knows that toxic petrochemical facilities are some of the most toxic, polluting facilities in the the world and are killing black people throughout Louisiana. So my first thing would be you to search your heart and ask your God. You've got no answer, do you, young lady, about what to do with petrochemical products. So I'll move on. I unfortunately... um, I wish I could use all my time on questioning, but I wanted to address uh, Ms. Salter directly. I just want you to know that um, in the four years that I've sat on this committee, I have never seen members of Congress, Republican or Democrat, disrespect a witness in the way that I have seen them disrespect you today. I do not care what party they are in, I've never seen anything like that. Frankly, men who treat women like that in public, I fear how they treat them in private. We can be better than this. We don't have to resort to yelling. The sound you heard was Representative Higgins of Louisiana. He was the person yelling. Um, and the person that he was yelling at was Raya Slater of the Energy Justice Law and Policy Center. And of course, the third voice you heard was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, speaking up. So I want to start with you, Kieran. How did listening to that clip make you feel? Um, a couple things. Number one is I'm like, hmm, what is yelling? Because <laughs> <laughs> I maybe think yelling is louder but I thought he was really disrespectful, you know, okay. like the, I thought the boo and the young, like, I thought it was like, come on, man, like, don't be like, it's, it felt very, very patronizing, but I don't know if I would have flagged that as inappropriate as AOC did. Um, but I would imagine that what is probably true is that it's within a context of a, just a much larger video, a much larger piece that I haven't watched, and also a much larger like systemic context that adds insult to injury. You know, it's like, it's sometimes it's not even just this one particular moment. It's like how this moment compounds on other pieces. And then I will say that the thing that got me at the end was like, when she was like, oh, they can come for me all day long. And it's like, well, then let's get them today then. Like there's a, there's a shared commiseration in that moment that I was like, "Mm, that's, yeah, th- this is, it almost felt to me like this is symbolic of a a larger moment, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, how did the clip make you feel? Because we were sharing it like the day that it happened. And I think both of us were sort of like, what? 
I mean, it's the guy, it's to Karen's point. I wouldn't say he's yelling. I mean, they yell louder, but the way that he talks to her is among the most dismissive and disrespectful I think I've ever heard in a hearing. I mean, I don't think I would casually call one of my friends a boo. Um, <laughs> and the sheer fact that he's doing it is he's trying to make her seem small and trying to make her seem unserious. Right. And she's there to make a very serious point. And everything he was trying to say was to make her seem stupid, unknowledgeable and unserious. And uh, fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Caroline, what did it bring up for you? Well, I wither in pain when confronted by anything. But honestly, something about watching that was oddly satisfying because for me, it's like pretty black and white. It's like, it's so clear what he's doing. He so clearly is just going to make his point no matter what he's saying, no matter what like point she's bringing up because it's all for show for him. And I just felt like, like she's someone who like I feel confident in and that she can come back and have the facts and talk back and be on the right side of this argument. So in that way, like the satisfaction as just a viewer watching, of watching her be like, I know you're fucking wrong and I know you look stupid and AOC and I are going to commiserate over it, almost trumps him because he looks small for yelling. Right. Totally. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think that we're a very specific audience too. Like I see an encounter like that and it reminds me of times that people talked down to me or tried to have... um me feel small or less than in, in the course of a conversation, completely ignoring the more serious point that I was trying to bring up. But I also think that like Higgins, Representative Higgins, the, the man, um, is coming from a place where if he is able to bring a woman to anger to match him, he always will win. Because yeah. the people that listen to him, the people that respect men like him, are people that interpret male and female anger differently. Like male anger is an expression of strength and authority. Female anger is an expression of a loss of control. Hysterical. Hysteria. Hysteria. If you will. If you will. So that to me, it just felt like he was trying to get her to play a game that she can't win among the people that he believes it matters with. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's like what, uh, that that's the thing that kind of brought me down when I was thinking about it. It was cool to see her and AOC commiserate, but also, you know, there are enough people in the world that are in this country that find that sort of commiserating uh, distasteful or or like a, a, an expression of, of weakness or evil or lady scheming in a, in a bad way that I don't know how, I, I feel like it's real Rorschach test, like looking at this, but I wanted to pivot to talking about times that we have gotten berated. We'll, we'll say Kieran for the sake of argument, this is a, this was a berating. Listen, I think maybe it's also like, I guess in my life, it's such par for the course that you are dismissed and you are minimized that like, it just is, and it, it just is. I don't know what else to say. It's so consistently across. I'm, I don't look at that and think to myself, wow, that was so disrespectful. I look at that and I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's a minority woman in a space where she's very intelligent and like she's going to get dismissed. Like that's going to be a thing that happens. When's, when does that happen to you? Can Like, can you talk us through? I started because we get prompts, like just for the audience, we get prompts for this. And I was like trying to think about it. Like my therapist will talk about how I compartmentalize. Like she's like, oh, you, you, you detach. You don't, um, 
you don't come off as emotional or you detach from like the emotions of things. But when we were going through these, I was like, I don't even, it didn't, it was like, you just needed, I needed like two seconds. And I was like, oh yeah, there was that time. What, here's a time that I handled myself. I was very, I was very proud of the way I handled myself. Okay. So this was like, um, you know, I was in a park and it was right after I went on a Buddhist retreat which was, thank you so much. Thank you. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a Kanti Buddhist and she lives in, um, you know. A what the, Buddhist? She's Kanti. She's mean. Like, Kanti she's, Buddhist. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's oh, what I thought you said. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, I'm a she's a I would, wait, wait. But I would read, I would buy a magazine called the Kanti Buddhist. She is such a cunt. I mean, my God, this woman is like so petulant and kind of mean, but I love her. Great. She does this whole thing, whatever. So you go to her house and it's fine. And then you meditate and then you come back. So my point is there's no cell phone reception. So you're not in your, like your normal, like on the internet, like in your like fight flight mode, went to a park, uh, Silver Lake Meadow, was sitting down and was like working on some jokes for something that I, I owed with a laptop. Huge park. This is a huge park, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I noticed that like a group of children um, have set up their volleyball net super close to where I'm sitting. And it's so, so close and there's so much space. And I kind of look and I take it in and I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, and then uh, they start playing and then they hit me with the ball and the kids are pretty nice. Like they're pretty nice. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. But then one of the mothers comes over to me and she was like, I'm so sorry. Like she was like, our kids are playing ball over here. We really like, you probably don't want to sit there. And, and it was like one of those moments where it was like, oh, I didn't even count as a person. It didn't even occur to you that I was in a space and this is a liberal neighborhood, right? Like this is a place where it's like, everyone's liberal. The BLM things are on the side of the wall. It's why that always kind of makes me roll my eyes because there's a little bit of like a clandestine. There's just an undercurrent that like exists and I, I just have lived it. So it's like, I know that that's the case, but I was in a very calm place and I was leaving anyway. And I got up and I gathered all of my things and I didn't like, I didn't like fuck you, but I like went over I went over to this group, this group of, of women, of, of moms, the not a very diverse group of moms. And I like looked at them and I was like, just so you know, I was sitting here before you set up your, you know, your volleyball net. And, you know, I saw, you know, I saw the whole thing happen. So it was surprising to me when you came up to me and asked me to, to move. And then she was like, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I just didn't, we just didn't, she was very shocked. Like you could see it on her face that I would even dare to address her. And then it was like, she just said to me, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, um, I just didn't see you sitting there. And I just like looked at her very, I just looked at her and I nodded very like calmly. And I just said, um, I understand that. And I was like, uh, but this isn't the first time that, that somebody hasn't seen me there. So I would just encourage you to think about who you choose to see. You guys have a great, you guys have a, you guys have a great day, you know? Oh my gosh. That, uh, how did you feel after having that? It's not a confrontation, but you, yeah, you directly confronted somebody who had acted disrespectfully towards you. How did that feel? I mean, like it's, I feel like I'm, I feel like when you can keep your cool, when you can like, kind of operate from a place of like your own highest self that is the most powerful place you can operate from and also it makes me it makes me sad that 
you have to say things like that or that you have to live in a world where that is the case. Do you know what I mean? Like just to, just to, just to understand, like, like I just know from like my family, just from all the stories that I've heard, England is very racist towards South Asians. Like just, I just know it will not be the first time and it will not be the last time. So it's a little bit of like, kick the dirt off your shoulder fuck them and don't give it time. I think it's like, I listened to that clip and I was like, this doesn't deserve my time. Like this man doesn't deserve my time. Like it's just, there's, you know, it's not any of their jobs to educate that man. He has grown, you know, it's like, he's grown up. He's fucking, he can figure that shit out himself and he should figure it out himself. But he still sits on a committee. What he should do and what he has the power to do are like, not necessarily in, he doesn't, Like, he is the person with the power in that situation, and so they need to convince him of something. He shouldn't have to be convinced of the humanity of other people, but doesn't it feel like a symptom of the fact that maybe he's bad at his job? Yes, absolutely. And then that's a bigger, that's a bigger kind of question. And I don't, I don't disagree that it's wrong, but it's like, I I would say that, like, personally, like, I'm at a place where I'm like, this doesn't deserve my emotional labor because I have better things to do with my day. This person doesn't deserve my time, my energy, my outrage, if they're going to be such a human piece of shit. That's, that's just what it is. So like my job is to figure out the ways in which I can be excellent or that I can actualize something valuable because my precious energy is limited. So like, where am I going to put that? How am I going to bring it towards something positive and use it positively? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Alyssa, do you remember a time that you were talked down to, uh, berated, yelled at by a sort of like Higgins type douche? Oh yeah. Um, let me set the scene. Boston. Did you, did you handle it like a, like no, an extremely no, no. Zen I, adult? No, like Kieran did? I sobbed. I sobbed. <laughs> but I'm going to defend myself and say, I think I was prop. Kieran, how old were you when that happened? This was a couple of years ago. Also, to be fair, I've been very petty in other instances. <laughs> so I gave you like a, a win one. This, that's a win one. This is a lose one. I'm going to give a lose one. <laughs> tight, tight, okay. So it's, uh, it was uh, the Boston Convention in 2004. And one of the downfalls of my exceptional organizational behavior is that um, I'm always stuck dealing with tickets. Tickets. Uh, manifesting boxes at, at in stadiums and arenas for like the VIP boxes for conventions, et cetera. It always fell on me. It's a fucking nightmare. And uh, <laughs> it's Boston. In Boston, there was not a lot of room. And I was in charge of John Kerry's boxes. And two adult men who were very close to John Kerry found me and they pulled me aside and they were like, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this list? Do you know who's in this box? These aren't John's close friends. Uh, They were because he picked them. And in the moment, like I knew that I was not in the wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like I I stood Mm -hmm. by the final product that was on that piece of paper, but I had never been ganged up on by people who had to have been 40 years older than I was at this point, at least 40 years older, Um, pulled me aside who do you think you are? You think you're just some little some little girl wielding all this power. And it looks to me like you put all your friends in these boxes. You guys, again, no one, no one remotely close to my age in this box that I would have considered a friend. And they didn't stop. It was kind of like that guy. Like they just 
didn't stop. They personally attacked me. They told me I was bad at my job, which if there is anything, you guys, whether it's making jam, doing this podcast or anything else in my life, I I just, I try to be a 10 out of 10 at all times. I never want to let anybody down. A plus. Thank you so much. Unless I have Mm -hmm. notes on your hosting skills. Oh, thank you, Caroline. (laughs) Thank you. Let's let's get back to how much you cry. Um, So... Anyway, Caroline, I'm telling a story that I feel like you'll relate to. So as they kept going, I I fell to pieces. And where I wish that I could have defended myself, I uh, just started crying. Not like gentle tears down my cheeks, like heaving, sobbing, snot out my nose. And it and it fueled them. It didn't make them stop. It didn't make them feel bad. And um, God bless our campaign manager at the time was Mary Beth Cahill. And they had left the door slightly ajar. They hadn't, that's the other thing. They pulled me into a room and like closed the door. I mean, if that's not some wow. shit. And so, but they hadn't closed it all the way. And she heard me crying and she walked in and she's kind of a force uh, unto herself. She's like, what do you two think you're doing? Alyssa, please excuse us. And so of course I was like, I'm not going to miss this. So I stayed real close to the door outside. She was like, who do you think you are? Nobody works harder than Alyssa. Nobody gets it right more than Alyssa. What were you saying to her? And they were like, homina, 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 homina. (laughs) And so then she's like, follow me. And she's like, what did they pull you into the room alone for? As if that's not troubling behavior. She literally said that. And I said, you know, it was this, this list, whatever. And she goes, Alyssa, this is the last minute on earth. These two might have any power. And they decided to try to use it on you. And so please go shake it off. This does not matter. What they said to you does not matter. I mean, like it was the nicest thing a human being could have done. If she had not intervened, 100% just would have gotten diarrhea and missed the whole convention. Like that's exactly (laughs) what would have happened. You're like a sim that hasn't been taken to the bathroom. You just were like, "Ah, I was like, that's it. It's over. It's over. Brain gut. It's over. But no, that was, and uh, to this day, I can remember what I was wearing. It was a skirt that was too tight. I mean, the whole thing was a the whole thing was a catastrophe. That whole afternoon was a catastrophe, and then we lost, so it didn't even matter. Oh my goodness, Caroline! Um, you went to a French school. I imagine that you've been yelled at a lot. Can you talk a little about a memorable time that you were berated and it impacted you? Oh my you? god. I would say all 14 years of my French schooling. Like I always joke I cower from confrontation because that's all I knew when I was younger. Like the French, like they confront you immediately and loudly and publicly. So pretty much my entire like childhood for everything you were confronted about, including like at any given time, they would grab your what we would call cahier de texte, which is like your notebook. And they would open it and open it to a random page. And if it wasn't like perfect cursive, you'd get yelled at in front of the entire class. If um, a teacher is like doing like a lecture or something or whatever the equivalent to a lecture is in high school, um, they'll stop and be like, Caroline, on est où? Like, where are we in the lecture? And if you got it wrong, they'd be like, they'd literally call you stupid. They'd call you like, kind of like call out everything about you. Um, it was so terrifying. And it would like, it really crippled me. Like I, I really, really hated it. And there was this one time specifically that kind of changed it a little bit. Um, it was with my uh, teacher, Jean-Pierre Nagy, shout out. I do love him, but he's terrifying. Um, <laughs> and I was just like kind of talking or passing notes in class. And he started screaming at me like, you just did badly on the test, like in front of everyone. You have like no place to be speaking. You should be paying attention out of everyone. You should be paying attention. Why are you speaking? And I essentially was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, sorry, I'm just annoying. 
And he. <laughs> oh, quel dommage. And he just started laughing. And um, from then on, I really like learned that at least for French people, like humor really disarms anger. And that's kind of like how I've gone through being yelled at ever since then is like, because I, I am also very similar to Alyssa, like it will take over every ounce of my body and I will want to hysterically cry. Um, but I try so hard not to do that um, and try to find humor in it. And when someone confronts you or gets mad at you, it's the thing to say back is like, why are you saying this? Like, mm-hmm. I, I forget if it was you who said that, but it was like confronting people with humor and being like, this is so stupid. Why are you yelling at me? Is I find so disarming and people really react to it and kind of shut down and aren't ready for it. Um, it's still something I'm working on. It's still something the French corrupted me with, but I do love them <laughs> so much. And Jean-Paul Nagy, definitely not listening, but <laughs> we'll tag him. You never know. You might get a strongly worded note about how much more articulate you got. <laughs> <laughs> You're much less annoying now, Caroline. Um, that's, that's like, it's so interesting how like these moments, whether or not we handle them with, grace like you did Kieran or by like getting really afraid and and like kind of breaking down like Lissa or by you know making a funny joke they all kind of stick with us in a way that is really like impactful I guess um I have a I have a story I went to a very small high school and I had this high school teacher named Mr. Crow. He was uh, an English teacher really liked him English was my favorite class surprise to nobody Um, but he introduced me to like Kurt Vonnegut and he was just like, just a really, he was a good teacher. And I think that maybe a town like Frederick, Wisconsin was not the very best place for him spiritually. Um, because he was a little bit more urbane, uh, than than the town itself and the general, you know, school politics or whatever. Anyway, one day I was just like walking into the principal's office and he was coming out and I think he'd had a bad meeting there. He was mad about something. And I said hi to him. And he just like yelled at me out of nowhere. It was like getting in a car accident. You know, it was like getting T-boned at an intersection. I was like, what? It was so crazy. I'd never been yelled at like that before by a person who wasn't related to me. And it was like in front of the school secretary and uh, she saw everything. And then he just kind of like stormed off. And um, I ended up crying about it. I'd done nothing wrong. I'd done literally nothing wrong. But my immediate reaction was I'm being berated by an authority figure. Therefore, I did something wrong. That is like Mm -hmm. my default response to whenever... Uh, when I was younger, I've gotten a little bit better at it. Um, usually I'm like, well, this person is in a bad emotional state. And usually like people yelling are, are yelling because they're not feeling good internally. But anyway, I was, um, I, I cried and I, you know, I, I told my mom about it after school and she was a high school English teacher at a different school. And I imagine they have this kind of like coven of high school English teachers. Anyway, she called Mr. Crow and Mr. Crow ended up like personally apologizing to me the next day. But I still remember it. And I still remember that experience as me having done something wrong, even though I know that I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. Also, again, I want to say great teacher, one of my favorites of all time. He's still alive. I'm sure he's going to like listen to this podcast. I mean, we all have a bad day. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. And I've yelled at people while I've had a bad day too. Um, I have been in positions where I've been, I think that I'm generally uh, pretty friendly and like upbeat, despite the fact that I can be like cunty on online and, and you know, on a microphone. Like but generally, Buddhist. Yeah, yes, like exactly. Buddhist. exactly. But like everyone who knows me in real life would say that I'm usually like pretty sunny and in a good mood and like, you know, upbeat and friendly. Um, and so when I'm not upbeat and friendly, people really interpret that as yeah. like a, a bad sign Same. or if I'm ter- if I'm terse, if I don't have much to say. And so sometimes I find myself doing cleanup as though I had been confrontational when I hadn't intended to be confrontational. Alyssa, you're nodding. Oh, yeah. No, same, same, same. It's like I try. I mean, that one time probably taught me lessons. I always try to be very calm when I interact with people. I've definitely lost my ship before. But my deputy for many, many years, Danielle, had a whole interpretation. She could tell by how I would answer the phone for other people what my mood was. She's like, mm. yo, you she's like, yo, you guys, AM just went real like tenor. You know, like when I, my <laughs> voice would get really low. That meant it was serious. If I went super sweet, it meant I utterly hated the person. Um, <laughs> but but the same, like, and and there is actually, I wrote about it in my one of my books that one of someone else who, who uh, worked for me for many, many years had uh, unbeknownst to me until the end of our time together, had a sheet of terms that I would say and what they really meant. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, can you tell us one? Yeah. So here's one. It was like, uh, Oh, if AM me, if AM says to you, it's fine. It means Ted, go back to your seat. What I've asked you to do is no longer in your hands and I will do it myself. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he had so many. And when I read them, someone showed it to me and they all thought I was going to be so mad. I thought it was the funniest thing ever because he was right. Point by point for every one of them. I was like, wow, he gets me. He understood exactly what I was communicating with a period versus an exclamation point. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Have you guys ever like um, done a thing where like, because I'm guessing, Alyssa, you were working really long hours and like the same with you, Ryan. So like, you know, when I'm working really long hours, one thing I'll say is, hey, sometimes like I'll explain what my behavior will be like, you know, so I'll be like, hey, I'm just going to like put in headphones so that my head stays clear so that I'm able to focus because otherwise my head gets too full so that I don't look like I'm like moody and just like brooding in a corner. Oh, no, no. I, I forecast nothing. I signal nothing. <laughs> Hilarious. Can I say, though, sometimes like as someone who, I mean, everyone can tell me otherwise if it's not true, but like I, for the most part, if I'm ever feeling anything like outside of the like pleasant, I don't. Um, but when I do go out of it, something about it feels like really, really good. Like I never yell at people. And like, I just remember this one time I was out with my friend and we had been drinking and like she did something stupid and I just started like drunk yelling at her. And halfway through, I started laughing and I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun <laughs> because something <laughs> about like yelling and getting it all out, especially with someone who you know and understands you, like there's something really satisfying about it if you're not an asshole and you apologize after and maybe you're right the whole time. But there's something really satisfying about just yelling and getting the emotion out and then you can go back to being pleasant and like obviously like if you're in the wrong, apologize. But <laughs> that that moment always just really stuck with me. Like that felt so good. That one time out of side Davy Wayne's in LA, yelling drunk at my friend felt so fucking good. It is so, Caroline. It's funny that you say that because my husband definitely 
who I love very much. We have a lovely marriage. Um, who very much has to when something really makes him mad, if he just yells about it for a minute, he's totally fine. A couple minutes later, and he's just like, I just need to get it out. And I was like, mm-hmm. but you understand that I'm like, like he's not yelling at me. He's yelling about something that happened. And when he does, I mean, I go so quiet. I'm just like waiting. I'm like, what's gonna happen? Is he gonna? Is it? Is it my fault? And he's like, why do you ever think it's your fault? You had nothing to do with the printer not working. He's like, I just want to <laughs> yell, fuck the printer. And and then he does. He literally can just turn. He's he's back. He's back. He's yelled about the hmm. printer and he's back. And I wish that I could do that because I just default. I, I'd probably be a healthier person if I just yelled at the printer instead of like, let's get on those YouTube dad videos and see how I can <laughs> fix that cartridge myself. Caroline, that's maybe why you like reality television because you're a oh, huge oh. fan. Oh, 100%. I mean, like I watch like. I have like different times where I watch like different types of shows and shows that I watch after a long day is always, no matter what, The Real Housewives. And if it's a reunion, even better. People, Other people <laughs> yelling at each other is so soothing to me. I can't explain. Also, like, I, like, learn a lot if I were like ever to, to get in a, a fight. Like how to flip a table? Have you ever flipped a table? <laughs> I haven't. But, like, getting Someday. into semantics in a fight. When I do aspire to flip a table. But it needs to be <laughs> right. Um, but it's something so calming about it. I think it's, like, I sort of vicariously feel anger through them. Because mm-hmm. I'm not someone who, like, expresses anger in a big way usually. Um, so it's very satisfying. And it's very calming. Hmm. So, yes, I think is the answer to that. <laughs> Your emotions last, like, it's something like 90 seconds. I think it's really the waves of emotion. If you're sitting in it, it's not that long, right? Mm-hmm. It's like No, you're right. It's something like, so it's interesting that your husband does that and is able to kind of say, like, let me ride this wave, but not, like, but not get caught in the loop. Well. Let's it go. Yeah, the thing that I can do is kind of get caught in the like in the mental loop oh, of me like too. playing it over and over again and trying to like let it go. Is the, I can't is the hold case. on to it because I'll be driving in the car and I'll like turn the music off so that I can think inside my head about how mad I am about something and have fake conversations in my head about how I'm going to address it when I should just let it go. So I can't. Yeah. So that's why it's like for me, doing that would never make me a happier or better person. But it really works for him. But there's something different about the type of yelling that we saw during that congressional hearing where one person was in like a real position of power. And it was like the asymmetry was something that this person was really exploiting in order to hurt somebody else versus like when you're watching two Real Housewives yell at each other or like two couples from 90 Day Fiance on one of the reunions, you know, yell at each other. They're on equal footing. And like, you know, and and that is to me, it can be cathartic watching people on equal footing, like have a confrontation. But there's something that felt so um, upsetting. I wasn't upset on behalf of the person who got yelled at in the clip that we played at the beginning as much as I was upset that the person who did the yelling felt like he could talk to her like that. Yeah, it's a good point. Like, yeah, totally. Like she's, she's capable of taking care of herself. And clearly she did. And clearly this is the sort of thing that she deals with sometimes. Um, But the fact that he felt entitled to talk to her like that made me mad. I'm like mad that there are assholes like him exist, you know, and that people think that they can just bully and and put people down. Um, And and that, that I think is what sticks out to me. And like yelling at people, I would never... Man, yelling at somebody with a lot less power than me is something that I've, I'm sure I've done without realizing in the moment, in the heated moment that that's what I was doing. But I all like 
if I feel bad about yelling at somebody afterwards, I know that that was probably why. Mm-hmm. Like I had more power than them. I had more agency than them. And I didn't need to resolve it that way. Right. You know? It's not – yelling at someone is not something you consider a tool in your tool belt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like it happened and you felt bad about it and you're like, fuck, I need to – like if I have yelled at someone, which I – again, because of my history, I try not to do – um, but I'm like, oh, I can't do that. again. Like, I shouldn't do that again. Now, did I – the one person who I'm thinking of that I really yelled at, I did not apologize because they deserved it um, a lot because they had been being shitty to someone else. But still, I, I made them cry and that wasn't right. And I feel mm. bad about it. Mm. It's not a tool in my tool belt. Karen, have you ever, like, you know, as, as a person that's like a creator, a creative person in an industry that's still dominated by white men – have you ever been berated by one of the people in the industry who's like a gatekeeper or somebody who is in between you and something that you're trying to achieve? I've been like fired for doing my job. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been fired for like doing the job and then just setting a boundary and saying, hey man, I can't do like, I can't do like 20 extra hours of like shit that you're asking me to bring home. You know, mm-hmm. that's been enough to get you fired. You know, it's like, so, I mean, yeah, of course. I was just thinking about a time when I got very angry just with a power differential. And it reminded me of like, I I worked in India in college uh, at this orphanage. Again, I'm better than you. Um, <laughs> I mean, clearly. Hilarious. No, I don't know why. I think it's because these mem- those memories like stick out to me. Like they're just like it's like you said with the berating that happened with the John Kerry thing. It was it just is like such a strong memory. So it was like I was teaching this class on English, and then these girls like just down the street is like a mall that's like an air conditioned mall that they've never gone to, and like you can use your English at the mall. So we like practiced all like you know, whatever for like the month. And then the whole thing was like, I'm going to take you guys to a movie at this mall that you haven't gone to. And like, you're going to do everything in English, right? Practical English. That's the thing. So they were like nervous and like, is excited, whatever. It's like a fun and they did a great job, but they'd never ridden an escalator before. So they're at the top of this escalator, these girls, it was girls. They were like, you know, early teenagers and like they were trying to go down the escalator, but you know, an escalator is kind of scary if you've never been on one. So they were kind of like at the top and I didn't even realize because I'd already come down. And so they were, they were scared to go down and it was like kind of a while. And then there was this group of boys at the bottom of the stairs who started like laughing at them, like really laughing and then being like one, two, three, one, two, three. And I remember shaking with rage. Like I was so, so pissed And I like went up to all of them and I like, I screamed at them. I screamed at those boys. I was like, this is, you know, this is entirely inappropriate. And who do you think you are? And like, it's ridiculous. You know, you can't speak to people that way. Everyone doesn't have the same experience. And I think they're so shocked that like, because I'm pretty small too. And they're so shocked at the level of rage, which I am capable of expressing. (laughs) It's a gift. Thank you so much. I love the way you guys are like, I'm afraid of being angry. And I'm like, I'm just like an adorable Teletubby of rage. I can look someone in the face and say exactly what I think. Um, <laughs> I choose not to most of the time, but like I can if I feel like it's necessary. And then I just remember those girls like pulling me away and being like, Didi, Didi, it's okay. Don't worry. You're so angry. <laughs> they were like, so sorry. And that's the other piece is like, are if you are quote unquote defending someone, do they want to be defended? 
Is that a moment right. that they just want to skirt by? Are you being helpful or are you just like, are you just exacerbating it or making it worse? You know? That reminds me one time I was, um, I was in a grocery store in Chicago with this guy that I was, I don't remember if we were like dating or friends, but you know, whatever. Clearly he mattered a lot to me, uh, but we were walking through the grocery <laughs> store and um, we would do this like joke in public where like we would pretend to fight over stupid stuff. Like I, t- with like fake names, like, you know, I told you, Stanley, we're not having that brand of tomato soup. Like, just like ridiculous, like over the top things. And we would use like fake mid-Atlantic accents or whatever. And uh, he uh, was, he kind of started doing that bit. And about like, I don't know, in the spice aisle, like, we are not buying nutmeg again, Clarice. You know, like whatever. (laughs) And um, this man walked by. And he got in the guy's face and he was like, don't talk to her like that. (laughs) And I was like, I was so embarrassed because it was like a bit. And this person really thought that he was like standing up for a woman. And I'm sure that he was like real. I mean, it it didn't feel like white knighting. It was like an older man, an old, like a guy that was maybe over 60 who was like, don't talk to her like that. You don't. And then he turned to me and he was like, you don't need to like let men talk to you like that. You should, you could just walk away. This man is not blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mortified. Well, you should have been like, yeah, don't yell at me like that. (laughs) That's what I would have done. (laughs) I know. I wasn't as good at at improv back then as I am now, which is, I'm not good at improv, but I'm slightly better than I used to be. Anyway, I was like, uh, I was just like so mortified and I was like, oh, it's totally fine. It's just like a joke that we do. And he was like, nah. Anyway, it was like, it was a moment when I think a confrontation was, uh, he he really thought he was doing something good, but he was just misinterpreted. But there's also something very sweet sometimes about like realizing that you're part of like a fabric of humanity where like somebody who was a stranger was kind of looking out, mm-hmm. you know, in whatever way, shape or form, even if it was misguided or whatever. Sometimes in those moments, I'm like, there's something very reassuring that it's like you can be alone, but then there's like just whatever, mm-hmm. some shared humanity of like strangers. Totally, something. totally. And I and I, I have to say that that was like, overall, I look back on that and I'm like, that's a good dude, that old guy. I hope that, yeah. I, I, I hope he's still out there interfering with <laughs> couples that are having fights in the spice aisle at a store in Chicago. Okay, that's all the time we have for this conversation about being yelled at or yelling at people. Uh, It is a nuanced topic and there's more to say about it, but that's all the time we have. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Sanity Corner, I Feel Petty, a.k.a. Sandy Petty. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. 
This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Welcome back. You are listening to Hysteria, the show. We are embodying the spirit of Hysteria this week (laughs) because we're actually talking about being angry. But we've reached the end of the show, almost a little bit of housekeeping, and then we will get to Sandy Petty. The first vote-by-mail ballots are hitting mailboxes, and the earliest in-person voting starts this week. If you don't know how you're voting, this is the week to get your shit together. Visit votesaveamerica.com slash everylastvote to make your plan to vote. Remind everyone you know to do the same and donate to the Every Last Vote Fund to directly support the work of organizers and volunteers in key swing states that are actively working to battle disenfranchisement in communities of color. And exciting news. Hysteria has its own YouTube channel. Alyssa, we're on the internet. We're on the interwebs, Erin, where we have been for a while. I don't know. We've (laughs) been there for a while. We're just in a new, we're just being categorized in a new way. We're in our own category now. Special. Yeah. Check out our channel every Thursday and Friday for segments from our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and listen to new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. House has been kept. Alyssa, you feeling petty or do you have a sanity corner this week? Guys, I'm feeling petty. Um, So, you know, like we talk about abortion all the time. um, And I thought to myself, how how did abortion ever become a thing? Like a thing that people thought was bad, like that came that they they were like, we need to get rid of abortion. And so I had always known it had a little something to do with the Catholic Church and, you know, some like bad newspapers. You guys, I didn't know it was the American Medical Association that was trying to drive doulas and midwives out of business. Did you guys all know this? Did you all know this? Oh, yes. No. Oh, yes. I didn't know this. I didn't know that they were trying to get rid of the doulas and the midwives. It was men stealing birth from yes. women. Yes. But I mean, like, of course, like, I knew the component. I knew most of the component parts. I just didn't know that the American Medical Association was, like, literally trying to get rid of the midwives and the doulas. So that's it. That's my petty. I like to admit when I didn't know something and I didn't know this. And I was I was flabbergasted and I was outraged. What year was this ish? Uh, it was like the late 1800s. 
Yeah, this was something oh. that was done like with folk medicine, aka medicine that women practice yeah. on each other. And uh yeah, get get a, you want to piss a midwife off, get her talking about the history of like gynecology and obstetrics. Did not know. Did not yeah. know that that was how uh abortion became criminalized with the help of tabloids of the 1800s and the American Medical Association. Mm. I also got mi- good the good Mr. Comstock. Yeah, don't forget Comstock. <laughs> Most famous weirdo prudes ever. Yeah, yeah. I wish there was a movie about him. The AMA. I didn't know. <laughs> the AMA. Ask me anything, but just not about abortion. Okay. <laughs> uh, I've got, and I feel petty this week. Um, so our dog has had to have some tests. He's like seven years old and he's had to go to the vet hospital to get some tests. And like a lot of things with animals stuff, they can't tell you what's wrong. So it's like hard to, to know. And, um, so my, my husband, this is his dog that he's raised since, you know, the dog was a puppy. Him and this dog are very, very, very close. I love the dog. Whole family loves the dog. Um, but we're waiting for some test results and, We've been waiting for like over a week for some mm. test results. And my husband has been, you know, call, he's called the veterinary clinic, won't get a call back, uh, called this morning and they were like, oh, you're on the call list. They're just behind on some calls. It has been a long time since we got this test. My husband is very anxious waiting for these results. So am I. Um, the fact that there is a call list, they have the results and they're just like waiting to tell us. I find that to be a uh, a very cruel way to conduct business. I agree. People are very attached to their pets and waiting for test results is something that shouldn't be prolonged when it comes to this. And um yeah, it sucks. I I just I think that veterinary clinics that are that are kind of cavalier and dismissive about the feelings of pet owners are are really being shitty and they're maybe in the wrong business. That's what I'm feeling petty about this week. Fuck them. You, I hard agree with that. What's the point of pushing that off? No, it's, it's that they're just like, we're busy and we'll get to you when we get to you. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, it's, if it's your pet, it's a companion that you really, and, and you need to like have more information to make decisions on what the next step is going to be. And like. The, in some cases, time is of the essence. Right. And to see people not actually treating that like it's an urgent, yes. urgent information is just like, wow, guys, like, fuck you. But also you need them. That's the thing. And they're so hard to get into that you're like, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, burn bridges. But at right. the same time. I mean, it's it's like soup Nazi vibes. It's DMV vibes. It sucks. And uh, I, I just... It sucks to like witness it happening and it sucks that it's like, just tell, tell us our dog's okay. You know, like if the dog's okay, just be like, yeah, the dog's fine. And right. if not, like prioritize that call and give us that information so that we can make the right decision. It's just, yeah. Or do the thing where they say like, if you don't hear anything, it's good news. Right. Exactly. If exactly. it's like, if it's like a really, if it's like a really long call list. Or they can just email you with results and be like, there's no problem. Keep him on whatever he's on. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's so not cool. Or just write an email. Like, That's even what if I you mean. Don't feel, yeah, or like, but even with like the, the bad results, like, hey, just so you know, here's what came up. I will be calling you at X time to discuss this further, right. but I wanted you to have information. Like, just fucking tell us. It sucks to not know. And I'm I'm mad about it. Um, Kieran, 
Patty, your sanity corner this week. I'm, I've been sitting here thinking, you know, as if I've never been on the pod before. What will I talk about? And they're <laughs> not going to ask me this question. Oh, again? They asked it again? Oh, my God. Shook. <laughs> Shook that we're doing this again. Um, I went out for uh, brunch with a, a buddy and got an avocado toast. And it came back as avocado mm. on top of soggy bread. And, That's gross. And it was like... And I don't know if you've actively want. And then I was eating a salad that was just lettuce. Um, lettuce is not a salad. You have to have other ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. Other. I'm not a rabbit, but <laughs> this, the avocado toast was the thing that was like he was like, oh, it's supposed to be toast, but this is just bread. Now it's a soggy mess, and you could just see the the mood go down. <laughs> you could just mm-hmm. watch somebody's mood turn into a roller coaster. And then I I thought about that. I was like, let's. If something is soft on top of a piece of bread, let's make sure that the bread is substantive, that it has structure, Dry. that it's concrete, that it that it that it has a crunch. Um, because <laughs> there is too much injustice in the it's world. It's so already. gross when it like you know flops that it's over. Like, You're like, yeah, uh, at two, at two, Mm-mm. yeah. Oh, soggy bread is terrible. Or like, have you ever ordered like a to-go sandwich or a takeout sandwich? And it's like not the type of sandwich that transports well, but they haven't taken that into consideration. They haven't like, like, I feel like places that do to-go sandwiches that tend to get soggy if they sit for too long should separate the pieces with wax paper and be like, take the wax paper out and then make your own sandwich. It's a genius thing. And you're correct because it's like, I don't want to eat something that's half digested. Or when I yeah, get home. put a note on the menu that's like, sandwich does not travel well. I don't know. It's not yeah. hard. Yeah. I would say the French have nailed the pre-made sandwich. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to a patisserie <laughs> and they have those baguettes and there's like perfect, no no limp, no limp bread there. just baguette, ham, little butter. Maybe that's because they were all berated. <laughs> they were all berated in French school so they know don't fuck up a sandwich, you know? <laughs> that is the worst sin in France. You can go no to jail mercy. if you make exactly. a bad sandwich in France, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right, Caroline? Right? Mm-hmm. You can go to jail? Yeah. <laughs> I heard. They were, uh, they, by the way, France recently had like a mustard shortage and like apparently there were riots in grocery stores, which I just love so much. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> They're oh like, this God. shalt not stand. Yeah. Affairs with Macron, no problem. <laughs> but no mustard. Oh, man, I love that. That's a, that's a great note. Um, Caroline, are you feeling petty or do you have a sanity corner this week? I feel petty. Um, and this has been building up for a really long time. And I want to preface it with, like, I love weddings. I want to have a wedding. I think they're beautiful. I have so much fun going to them. I love an open bar. But weddings. <laughs> also, I like to celebrate my friends' love. But the open bar. In great. conclusion, in conclusion, I do. But love weddings an open bar. are so fucking weird. They are so weird. They are so unnatural. And the part that really irks me the most are wedding registries, especially for the bride. Like, why do I have to buy you a bachelorette gift, a bridal shower gift, a wedding gift, especially the wedding gift when there is like kitchenware on it? I am. I get so irrationally pissed that me, a single lady, has to buy you and your husband a dual income household who is getting plenty <laughs> of money, a fucking pot, when I'm still using mine from college. It makes. Oh me my god, Caroline, so do you want to register mad. for a pair of Manolo Blahniks? 
<laughs> not minimalist, <laughs> but like I, I think I don't understand why we buy presents for happy people. Happy people, that should be your present. You don't need more. Why are you sending me an expensive list from Crate and Barrel when I'm sad and I have to buy you a gift? And I just, it makes me so, it makes me <laughs> that so might mad. might be the realest petty ever. And I sad, think, sad like, people should get registries. I, I actually am on board for that. People, people who are getting divorced should get to register because A, those are the people who need money at that time because it's expensive and B, they're sad and they need, they need help in this transition in their life. You don't need help in your transition to marriage. You're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm, is boundary interesting. breaking. Interesting. That I, I think, well, I, the, the registry th- thing is such an interesting point because I feel like maybe the origins of that tradition are from when people would get married when they were like 20 and they were like, we don't have anything. Yeah. But now people like live entire lives before they have like maybe 15, 20 years of accumulating necessary kitchen objects. And then right. I'm not a monster. Like I like, like if, if like people who like honey funds or like, and you can pay for like a jet ski experience on their honeymoon. Like that, I'm like more than happy to, well, not more than that. I'm happy to do. <laughs> You're a little bit but, about that too. Cause it's like, why are you going to be, you now you're happy, but you get to be well, happy I'm, on a I'm, jet ski. I'm only happy because I do want that when I hopefully get married, God willing. But like things for your home, I do not want to pay for. You can do that. <laughs> and the tradition must stop. I love this. And I love sad registries. I feel like people should. Yeah, that is groundbreaking. I would 100% participate in a divorce registry. Oh my God. I would, I would like spend more than I should on a friend that like set up a divorce registry. Yeah. Yeah. What about a breakup? What about a breakup registry? Is that too Um, much? If you you cohabitated Mm -hmm. and you're not, you're moving to your own place. Is there a minimum amount of years you have to be together for you to consider you know, how do we make sure the system doesn't get exploited? <laughs> Trust women, Kieran. Yeah, Kieran. Trust okay. women. I, I, I'm sorry. Did we specify a gender of who gets to register? I would I would imagine that any any one of the party who was getting divorced. So. You think a straight man's going to make a registry? Who makes the registries for every other thing? It's not the man. It's the, the woman. Anyway. That was a good one, Caroline. Uh, yeah, that was a Excellent. really good one. It makes me so mad. People are going to... It's also the the idea, the way it sprung forth something new. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was uh, Two of my best friends got married this year, so hopefully they don't listen because I'm just like raging about how much I hate having to buy them presents. <laughs> <laughs> well, ex-best friends. Uh, <laughs> well, that is all the time we have for this week. This was a really fun episode. Thank you so much, Caroline, for, for pinch hitting this week. Love to have you on the mic. Come back again sometime soon. Kieran Deal, thank you so much for coming by. Second week in a row. Always great to do a Kieran Deal too, Pete. Alyssa Mastermonico, thank you so much, as always, for being my ride or die. Thank you to Katie Hobbs, who is running for Arizona governor. Thanks to all of you listeners. There will be more hysteria next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. 
Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. 